Hello, and welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 87 movies, one cage. This is episode 92, The Humanity Bureau, from 2018. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and with us today, to celebrate this movie that has been out in the UK for roughly a year now, <laughs> believe it or not, it is the, one of the, I don't know how to, how do I want to intro <laughs> you? She is a longtime Cage Club guest, but... One of our newest hosts, co-host of the Winona Forever podcast, is Lindsay Gibb. Hello, Lindsay. Hi. Also Cage author. Got to gotta yeah. throw that in there. National yeah, Treasure, yeah. Nicolas Cage. The cutest and best little purple book that I own. <laughs> so thank you for joining us for this movie that literally, like, we, it's been floating around sites where you can download movies that you really shouldn't download movies from for almost a year, yeah. like a full year. I think it was, like, June or something that we, we were able to sort of, own, like, if we wanted to taste the forbidden fruit, we could have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, finally, we've had access to it, but we have not opened that box yet we have waited right right but finally this past friday as we're recording this april 6th it came out on vod came out on itunes in america so here we are watching a movie that belongs in the sci-fi network (laughs) the humanity bureau so now i do want to say right off the top of the bat that there is a single one single person on letterboxd who has given this movie five stars (laughs) and that person (laughs) is my co-host Mr. Mike Manzi. Hi, you're welcome. Yes. I, uh, did I beat you to it? I mean, what are you... Oh, no, I gave it three. I, and, like, three is generous. This is this yeah. is a bad movie. Oh, I'm not denying that whatsoever. Like, it's slow, it's senseless, it's dull, <laughs> but for some reason... I loved it. Maybe maybe it's because it's been sitting there within my sights for over a year and I've just been waiting to watch it. Because, I mean, I've ordered movies from the UK for my region, Free Player, and I've done that a lot. Other countries and stuff and things have out of print. So, I mean, legally, you know, could have watched it. You know, from the minute I turned it on, I was just delighted. I mean, that's all I can say about it. Like, I just love how hard it tried and how miserably it failed. But for me, <laughs> I, I was just, I was having a great time watching it. So I had to give it what I felt was its proper due. So I gave it three stars for three reasons. I gave one star for each reason. Number one, (laughs) new Nicolas Cage movie. Number two... Nicolas Cage revives a boy in this movie by slapping him on the back so hard that he comes back from the dead. (laughs) And number three, a guy who is Cage's boss tapes a piece of bread over his eye after his eye is shot out of his head with a BB gun. Or did did he do... We don't know that he taped that there. I have the feeling that Cage put that there when they tied him up and left him like that. But nevertheless, yes, a great moment. It is crazy. Lindsay, what did you think of it? I saw what rating you gave it. You gave it right around where I did. I feel yeah. like it's probably also a little generous just because it's a new Nicolas Cage movie. What do you think <laughs> of this movie? Uh, yeah, so I gave it two and a half. <laughs> I was very surprised <laughs> to see that Mike gave it five. And I, I bumped it up from four, actually, too. Just... I know. I saw I, I saw that you did it at four and then when I went to do it, when I went to log it today, I was like, what is going on? But I mean, it's sort of in the realm for me, Joey, of like inconceivable for you. You know what I I'm saying where I mean I fully understand that this is a one-star film but you know mm-hmm. in my realm of entertainment I mean especially being one of these made for sci-fi type of films yes. I just had to I think my two and a half is really for the end I, f- <laughs> I felt satisfied with the ending when ever. Cage gets shot in the head yes <laughs> like super abruptly <laughs> I mean even when 
she like the woman in the movie gets shot in the head we were like whoa we didn't expect that and then (laughs) and then cage gets shot in the head and you're like well this is really going somewhere but yeah otherwise it was very boring yep not much was happening like i the premise of it was interesting to me and so i felt like maybe this is gonna go somewhere so that kind of kept me with it aside from the fact that i had to watch it for this and because it's a cage movie so i will watch everything that he's in but yeah let me read the opening crawl which is one of my stars so as long as we're explaining our ratings oh right (laughs) right off the bat this amazing prologue I think it's 2030, though. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. way too soon in the future. Like, this, <laughs> that is incredibly bad call for the creators. <laughs> in the near future, after economic catastrophe and climate change came famine, the Great Migration and the Civil War, society collapsed. Manufacturing and industrial production of food and goods ceased. America built walls around itself and its cities. The government gave sweeping powers to a single agency whose task was to assess and separate those citizens who were deemed a burden to the system. That agency was known as dot dot dot, the Humanity Bureau. (laughs) Twelve years from now. Yeah. It took ten years to rebuild anything at Ground Zero. Like, nothing gets done in this country. Like, there's no way... We went through a civil war and a famine and, like, yeah. civil unrest. This isn't, like, that's the movie. Where's that? And it's all supposed to be, like, a fallout from global warming, I think. But that's mm-hmm. not even, like, I don't know how, like, we're in the timeline. Well, Does that, yeah. and, like, it's also, like, the current timeline because that guy in the beginning who Cage shoots yes. and kills mm-hmm. said he was, like, he went to the White House and he has a picture of him and Trump. It's like, <laughs> what is happening? Well, he, so he he was a governor and he, mm-hmm. in that picture of him and Trump, he is much younger and he's like an old man so like it was not just younger? 12 years no <laughs> way way younger than 12 years i think so yeah that's a that's a problem in continuity i guess i mean this movie is like filled with misinformation i'm not that's i don't know if that's one of the themes of the film because it's the society that's been erected after you know all of this the second civil war they don't even call it the second civil war or civil war Two, which i was anyway yeah i don't know it, it was going for like way too much i'll just say that on the bet and and gets way nothing done like it ends up becoming like a weird like sort of drama instead of what i was expecting to be Mm -hmm. an action movie considering that the japanese title is human hunter (laughs) another star for me interesting but that's not what it is at all no that's not even a little bit no 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 yeah like the idea is that he works for this bureau that assesses your like how much you contribute to society and if you don't contribute anything to society and there basically is no society left to contribute to either which they don't talk about but if you if you are Mm. deemed sort of unfit you are sent to new eden which is just like this relocation place there you could like have a new life and get a new job and they'll hook you up however (laughs) big surprise super twist hears from you again was was anyone shocked by the super twist that it's a concentration camp i mean it is yeah not really so, I mean, in in some ways, Human Hunter, if you think of Hugh Dillon as the main character of the film, then that maybe that's accurate. Oh, yeah, because he's, he's hunting. basically hunting people. He's hunting Cage, right? Yeah. 
And then maybe there is a society to contribute to because doesn't Nicolas Cage drive outside of the like walls? So the, he starts the movie by like driving outside the walls. Of like New that America. Yeah. comes down next to him and just like, hey, we can't protect you anymore. He's like, good, I'm outside the walls. Oh, now. Yeah, this is super drone heavy, <laughs> this movie. So you know it's the future. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing though. It's like the Hunger Games or something where there's like the capital apparently where the Humanity Bureau resides. And to me, I love that it looked like it was shot as a community college or something like doubled for the Humanity Bureau. I thought that was charming. (laughs) But that's about all that exists in this city. And then the rest of the movie at least takes place sort of on the fringe of all that, like outside because they're on the run for the rest of the movie. So we don't even see them like go to New Vegas or New Seattle or any of that kind of stuff, which would have been cool. They're mostly hiding in the woods. Mm-hmm. They just run across, like, <laughs> this movie, I... I okay, okay. Obviously, <laughs> it's a very cheap movie to make, but yeah. at times, it like it sort of pulls off like it's low budget as high budget well, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wait, no, I haven't seen any other people aside from these three in the last, like, 20 minutes. Like, there's just no extras, and then they go to a place like, hey, there's a creepy guy with a crutch. Like, he's just here, and that's, like, the only person that they'll talk to for, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> I thought the movie started pretty strong, like actually strong, establishing what's left of this world of outsiders and stuff. And then the guy's like, you want to buy some clean water? And I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool idea. But then Cage like looks at the water and he goes, selling clean water is a felony offense, mister. Like, I could have you locked up for that. It's like, how is selling clean water a felony? (laughs) Yeah. And that's another half a star for me. <laughs> it's like, this is nonsense, <laughs> and I love it. the confusion of that made <laughs> you love it. You know what I liked? And I don't know if you've seen this one, Lindsay. This is his most recent movie that we did, beside from this one. Uh, have you seen Looking Glass yet, or no? Yes, oh, I yeah, saw you Looking that, Glass. I reviewed it, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it took me a minute. I was like, that's the one, right? Yes. So I like that this movie essentially starts with him on the other side of the Looking Glass, that he goes to that motel, oh. and instead of, like, behind the counter, he has to, like, shake down the the guy behind the counter so they can get to the guy who the former governor or whatever mm-hmm. but i just like the sort of like twist that we're now i guess in the motel phase of nicholas cage's <laughs> yeah. career there you go yeah i wrote that down that's as his a new theme it's a connection it's a that's definitely a cage next <laughs> motel there. is cradling a dead bird in your hands a cage connection anywhere because that was a brilliant scene so if i could just set this up oh my really God. quick like i won't spoil the twist yet i guess but like he goes to you know, investigate this single mother. Yep. What, she, like, lives in a farmhouse with her son who has... Uh, something's up with this kid. Like, Well, he, you also know... I mean, you don't know exactly what's up with it, but no. before he walks in, he's looking at old-timey pictures of a woman and a kid. And you're like, who's this? Is it his wife and his kid? Like, who are these people? And then he goes in to talk to the single mother. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if you guys are wearing your comfortable shoes, but this kid's shoes were not comfortable, and that's, like, a major... <laughs> That was like a huge thing for this kid, not comfortable shoes. But anyway, like at one point while Cage is sort of doing paperwork and stuff, the kid's up on the roof trying to feed his bird in the chimney. That's when he falls off the roof and Cage sort of resuscitates him by slapping him on the back. Yeah. But what I loved was that for the rest of the movie, like the kid doesn't have a limp or a sling or any bruises. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Like it's perfectly like that's 
something that's like the logic of this stuff is what I love. It seemed like he just slept it off or something. <laughs> right. Or Cage's like magical backslapped cured everything. Like, right. You know. The kid doesn't go without his maladies later. Kind of they go they go near that like nuclear wasteland or whatever and he's like, Is my hair falling out yet? I'm like he's so concerned <laughs> oh, yeah, and he gets about his hair nose. falling out. Yeah. Yeah, and he gets a bloody nose, and I was like, oh, is that from the radiation? And he's like, oh, I get bloody noses sometimes. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yep. You're just going to drop... That kid, that kid is a terrible actor. He is real bad. Yeah, he wasn't great. Yeah. Since this, So this movie's Canadian, so I think that's why I picked it Okay. to be on this episode. So that's also a thing that makes me wonder why it was, took so long for me to be able to see it. If it's been out in the UK for a year, I'm in Canada. Why can't I see this Canadian exactly. movie? But anyway... I looked up this kid to see if he was Canadian because there was something about the way he talked that made me think he was Canadian, but I don't think he is. Really? It didn't really say, it didn't really say on IMDb where he's from. He's just got a really stilted delivery. Oh, no, he is from British Columbia. There, there you, go. you go. He's born in British Columbia, but he's been in a lot of American things. There's that one time where he's like, next stop, Jackfish Lake, and he totally says Jacquefish Lake. I'm like, okay, mm. like you sleeping. <laughs> so Joey, I think we get the youngest depiction of a cage character in this movie where we have like probably micro little like toddler cage and he's doing the fishing off the edge of the pier in the flashback. And then we also get like slightly older cage when he's like swimming in the water after he's dead at the end. Oh, that's right. We get a, a couple different young cages here, yeah. What did you guys feel about how, <laughs> I don't know, like the, uh, what was the guy? The bad guy's like assistant or something? He was my favorite character. The black, the guy? black guy? Oh my God. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like totally playing this the wrong way you know what i mean like he's in he's clearly in like the satire comedy version of this and everyone else <laughs> yes. is in the very serious down to earth trying to pull this off version of this but I, I don't know I just appreciated what he was bringing to this whole thing he's so out of place I agree I thought him and Hugh Dillon had some great moments that were really funny and he almost survives too like that was great yeah almost survives almost so one thing I didn't get and I have to say I was watching this but maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention to get everything because I don't remember the bird cradling part so I must have looked away. The bird cradling thing was that the kid is holding a bird for some reason uh-huh. and the, the bird's nest is up in the chimney at the yeah. top of the right. chimney. Right. I saw him yeah. climb up. That's there. why he falls off the roof. Right. He's holding right. the bird. He falls off. I guess he squishes the bird when he falls. Right. And then after Cage revives him, he's just like thinking about life while holding the bird. Ah. Yeah. Yes, I saw the reviving and the falling off the roof, but I must have looked away during the cradling. But there's a part where Hugh Dillon is talking to his sidekick guy, um, who's named Agent Porter, okay. according to IMDb. And he says, We're on the wrong side of history. But then he, they don't change anything about the way they're acting. Like, they still go after Nicolas Cage and... That was sort of towards the end, I think, too, yeah. right? Yeah, where you expect him to have that turn and let him get away or sacrifice himself or something. But no, he ends up going even further by... Yeah. Yeah, when he shoots that girl in the head, I was like, whoa, like, what? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> like, from zero to 60. So I think now is probably a good time to discuss the twist of right. the movie. Yes. Is that the Rachel that we see is not the real Rachel. What happened to the real Rachel? Okay. She, she died? Yeah. She tried to sell the kid, right? Like, she wanted to sell the kid for money, and right. then, so this girl takes the kid and is like I'll raise him on the farm and the mom just like takes off I think we never hear from her again or she dies and that is Cage's 
former wife or someone, and the kid that he's been with is his actual kid. So the new Rachel, who I think they say is named Amanda in, in actuality, she said to Cage that the real Rachel tried to sell him, and then she didn't think that was a good idea, so they fought, oh, and that's... there was an accident. Mm, yeah. So that mm. indicates that Rachel died, Okay. I I love that. Okay, half a star. Nice. <laughs> Backstory. <laughs> Should have remembered that or written it down. But as dumb as this twist is, I kind of appreciate the fact that, like, when Cage confronts not Rachel about it and is like, hey, who are you? Because you're not the Rachel that I know. This is my kid, all this different stuff. The movie's sort of, in a way, smart enough to be like, well, we can't tell the kid that I'm the dad because then we can't say that, like, why wouldn't I know you? Because, like, you mm-hmm. said right. you're his mom. Yeah. So, like, right. as dumb as the twist is, it kind of makes sense that they don't actually revealed to the kid like yeah Mm -hmm. it's smart about its dumbness yeah i thought there was some interesting parts of the weird twists yeah for me for me the the illogical thing was the twist in the first place (laughs) and then that day you know i was like all right that's that's weird like he was acting like he didn't recognize this kid or have any kind of relationship to him at all but i suppose in retrospect when he shows up at the concert sort of like a dad in the back watching right yeah like i just felt like the twist in general was the weird thing but you're right like it's so funny how they stick to that and make it work for the rest of the movie (laughs) like of all the things you would think like at least the kid would find out that cage was his dad at the very end i mean if if cage had had more life maybe he would have there you go but what do you guys think about the whole rabbit's foot hiding like the secret microchip about the truth all i know is that the hungry rabbit jumps i know that's i was thinking that too (laughs) the little cage connection did we see cage give him the rabbit foot I don't remember that. Yeah. He so, talks about okay. it a lot. He gives it wow. to him as like, um, <laughs> I think they have a little exchange where this is, this is, I guess, right um, before they're going to go on the run. So like he knows the truth about what New Eden is and he's like, I got to save these people. And now it makes even more sense as to why he picked these specific people to try and save uh, out of anyone because it's like his kid. Right. He gives him this lucky rabbit's foot and they just have like a little thing where the kid's like what's this thing you know like i don't know anything Mm -hmm. like i'm literally like unlearned here and cage is like oh it'll bring you luck later on when they meet those like mad max kids and their dad like living up in the trailers he goes where's the rabbit's foot and the kid's like oh it's here in my pocket he's like always keep that with you whatever you do it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Something up with that Very rabbit's important. foot. Because I, like you, Lindsay, as what I'm gathering, I also missed large chunks of this movie. Not large <laughs> chunks of this movie, but like like frequent small chunks of this movie because I was like, right. oh my God. Yeah. But there was a point where he is talking to his mom and is like, hey, look, it's good luck. And she says, well, not good luck for the rabbit. And oh, he's like, wow. I guess that's right. And then <laughs> at the end, the rabbit's foot is what has the flash drive on it where right. Cage confesses to the fact that New Eden is a concentration camp, and that this is gonna, I guess, bring down the downfall of like this government, but like of America who's left to like take it down. The Canadians, it seemed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Mounties. <laughs> I felt like it was a very heavy-handed Canadian movie. Like America's basically 
a big concentration camp and Canada's going to save everybody. <laughs> a. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, one thing I, I was thinking way too much about after this movie was um, I'm sure the rest of the world's like perfectly fine and that America has just isolated <laughs> itself and told its citizens just heaps of lies after the Second Civil War. You know, I mean, clearly the wrong side won that war. Uh, I don't know, instead of the North and the South, if it was the East versus the West or how it went down or any of that kind of stuff. But I, I feel like it's still probably the North versus the South. If this is if this is following current reality, like I'm pretty sure it's still North versus South. There's a German guy they meet along the way and he said that he ended up in America because he came there on vacation and it didn't turn out well. So that does <laughs> sort of lead you to think that maybe, yeah, the rest of the world is very different from this. But doesn't it, it also just made me wonder like how, well that guy, I understand how that guy survived because he took to the mountains and, you know, he's sort of like up there roughing it but it makes me wonder how that senator dude earlier from the motel like how did he survive famine riots and the second civil war and all this shit like it makes you wonder about the people who are left yeah this doesn't feel like a society that would be left after all of that like i just feel like way too much happened before this movie (laughs) they should have narrowed that down a little bit people aren't mad max enough like more of the people should have been like that maybe yeah or at least i don't know they almost felt like um they wanted to go a little like brave new world where it was like oh the metropolis Mm -hmm. city and everyone is conformed and they're fine but then you get further out and you get like the savages and stuff and the cannibals or whatever out there but they never go that far it's a very very small scale movie Yeah. There was one point I wrote down, I'm like, oh, I haven't taken notes in a really, really long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me neither. (laughs) Like, there's things that are happening, but they're they're not really of any consequence. Like, people are meeting people, and you're sort of learning a little bit about the world, or like a little bit about who these people are. You know what this is, exactly, is just like a very low-rent version of Logan. It's just this guy trying to get this kid across the border, and he's going to die along the way, and he's, you know, it's just not going to be, you know, it's just not as good... (laughs) Like, there's just no, not, I'm just not as attached. I'm more attached to Cage, I guess, you know, and then than the character, but I don't know. That's sort of what I was right. getting at when I was watching this. It's like, wow, there's a lot of parallels. I wrote down a lot of notes if you want me to just go <laughs> off like a couple <laughs> random ones. One thing I thought was just like completely useless were the hologram phones. What, oh. You know, is it just easier to sort of tap the air than to just tap the screen in the future? And where are the resources for that technology? I feel like that was very much just a way to tell us this is in the future. Other than yeah. the words right at the beginning in the not too distant future or whatever it said in the near future near future right i'm thinking mystery science theater that was a uh, constant <laughs> that's like a constant reminder too throughout the movie it's like oh yeah he's doing work on his little iphone hollow phone hologram phone thing yeah his car is talking to him whatever um, yeah i loved how he whips out because he knows like the Humanity Bureau, like, will just, like, send you back in a box of ashes. So, like, he whips out his coffee. He's like, I've been saving this coffee for a special occasion. And, and she's like, what is that? And he's like, yeah, it's super rare. I'm like, dude, it's not that far in the future. But anyway, how are you going to make this coffee if there's no clean water? Like, you can, yeah. <laughs> like, what is going, like, what are your thought processes at this moment? <laughs> like, I really enjoyed that. I liked how the little kid <laughs> shot the dude's eye out with the BB gun, and then he had to wear an eye patch the rest of the movie. Well, did he have an eye in his pocket later that the kid stole? 
But he stole his glass eye that he never wore. Why did he have a glass eye? Like, did he just go <laughs> fetch a glass eye and keep it in his pocket for later? <laughs> I didn't understand that. It made me question whether he always had a glass eye and it just got knocked out when oh. the TV went in his eye. But then I was like, I have no idea. It needed the moment where he was like trying it on in the mirror and it just wasn't like working for him or something. And so yeah. he puts it in his pocket. Yeah. I liked when that guy was swimming in the pool too. And it was like, oh, water's so fucking rare and I'm swimming in a pool and they make like that really tasteless joke where he's like you want to because his assistant's black so he's like you want to take a dip and he's like I'd probably drown I was like oh what's that about like I don't know if that was necessary but I don't know if that was intentional or maybe because mm. it would seem like a play on two things the fact that they're that the guy didn't grow up with water but also that it could have been a racist joke it made me hate the guy double time because he was wasting water <laughs> and being an asshole so I guess it works right. as a scene I enjoyed when Hugh Dillon was looking at the feed from the military drone the one that saw Nicolas Cage and the team in the car like mm -hmm. that they hid themselves in the bushes or whatever and then he was like zoom in and then they're like we can't <laughs> <laughs> and they're like this is just we're looking at the military speed we have no control over it and he's like don't they understand how important this is and he's like it totally doesn't matter to them <laughs> i just thought that was very realistic and funny during that sequence they're hiding out they're driving through montana so shout out to uh tobin fellow cage club there you go. contributor yeah. from mm -hmm. montana thought that was pretty funny every time that shows up this whole like world or at least like america is supposed to be like a desert barren wasteland and there's a moment where the kid's complaining about his shoes again and she's like if you don't stop complaining about those shoes or something like you're gonna be walking in the snow barefoot i'm like what do you mean the snow there's snow like i thought it was you know a barren wasteland but i guess just another one of those lies that the uh government tells you <laughs> I was so looking forward to this movie like I didn't think it was going to be great but like we waited so long for it and I'm, I, I feel like we're not even 30 minutes in and we're I'm already like out of things to talk about because like nothing happens in this movie yeah that's fairly true I don't know should we talk about the ending where indigenous Canadians find the kid and then take him in and watch the video and then there's like a riot or something and oh, it's yeah. the revolution <laughs> it's just this whole timeline is an accelerated like, yeah yeah like sense of time yeah they spark a revolution like immediately like it's it's amazing i love it and i love that like television is broadcasting everything still too like every corner of this ruined world and isn't cage sort of like obviously he's the instigator of the revolution because he's the one who left that video behind explaining what was happening in the states but he also in the video he says like something about it's time for the revolution yes. or whatever <laughs> and then all the videos of, yeah it's like a fire. manifesto like at one point yeah. he's like i don't remember his character's name as much as i love this movie but he sits down and is like <laughs> i'm from the humanity bureau and like here's the truth about new eden like America's lying to you. Viva la revolution. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Take to the streets. Like take back your country. I feel like toward the end of the movie, like in general, both in that video, but also just right before he gets shot, he's really kind of amping up the intensity. But I feel like that was just sort of tacked on. Like there's the one thing when after not Rachel gets shot in the head and then the kid is there with him and he's like yelling at the kid to go run away. He like sort of does one of the classic cage freakouts. And I'm like, I feel like they're just adding that in 
because he's been so sort of like kind of relatively neutral for the whole movie that between like that scene and then this video it's like they're just saving all of his enthusiasm for like the last like six minutes of the movie and i don't know <laughs> right. why so that he's the hero i guess i don't yeah he, he gives a very low-key cage performance throughout even when shit hits the fan like he's too i feel like he's too calm under pressure like, i feel like he should have like burst through the door and be like grab your shit we're going and the kids and then because there's one time where he's like come on let's go we're going and the kid's like what about my books and he's like take one <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you only have time for one i'm like you should be like like screaming and grabbing shit and like packing for them and like freaking out more than there no there yeah i guess there's none of that it's much more of a low-key performance this time around do you think that we're getting used to all of these hyper intensity nicholas cages like in mom and dad and stuff that we can't appreciate good guy cage anymore no i'm okay with like i i like good guy cage because i mean mike and i've used this as an example in a bunch of movies recently but like his smaller part in snowden i thought was like really good yeah yeah, yeah so did i yeah and yeah. like i would i would love to have more of that or you know there was news this week in some interview i think with joeblow.com or whatever that cage thinks he would be a good joker in a batman movie, yeah. which of course gave him the joker absolutely but when mike and i did the cage club podcast network recast of the batman universe we think he'd be a great commissioner gordon like he'd be yeah. so good it's like this dignified sort of seen older guy who's like yeah. seen it all right like he's been in yeah. gotham he's like knows every corner of it that would be really cool yeah i really like like i like these types of his performances i just don't know if it was appropriate 100 percent for this movie but i think there's still nice moments for him in this like you know i like his look i always mm-hmm. like when he's sort of all decked out in black and he's got like the elvis haircut a little bit and He's got a bit of like that snarl when he talks. I feel like he's channeling a little of that with the sideburns and stuff. But I don't know. Yeah, he's playing it way more cool. I like it. I just don't know if it's appropriate entirely for the urgency of what his character's right. going through at times. Right. Um, one yeah, thing I really like, though, as I think more about this, is just like uh, when Cage is a dad. I know Joey and I love that a lot, too. Yep. And this isn't exactly like. I mean, he is this kid's father. The kid doesn't know it, but there are some moments where, like, there's family guy moments. I even think at one point the girl says, what, do you want to be a family man? And I was like, oh. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't even notice that, but yeah. I'm telling you guys, extra star. References, references. (laughs) This is is how we got to five stars. I think we're at, like, four stars right now. Yeah, my my quick mental math has been about right. (laughs) Right. All right, all right. I noticed on IMDb that one of the taglines for this was yes Obamacare what? I don't I don't what? I don't I know I don't understand I, I cannot wrap my brain around what that tagline means the only <laughs> trivia on IMDb speaking of IMDb is that this is Nicolas Cage's first sci-fi movie since knowing that's the only Whoa. trivia yeah really yeah. about this movie interesting yeah he said, <laughs> I like sci-fi so like I want to see him do more sci-fi clearly I mean you know it's not all I want to see him do I'm, I'm, I'm just convinced I'm never gonna see him as a cowboy so I'm just gonna <laughs> I, I feel like the moment I stop dreaming it's gonna happen so I might as well just sooner well, the better so that was another thing that like in another interview or maybe it was the same interview Cage was also talking about Ghost Rider and he was saying how he really wanted like he wants like a hard R Ghost Rider like a crazy Ghost Rider but he doesn't want to play Ghost Rider anymore I want him 
to be like the Sam Elliott, like in a continued universe. Like he's the older, mm. you know, the oh. wizened Ghost Rider who has to go on like one final ride to help. And they can sort of like ride off into the sunset. Like do that. And, like that could be sort of like a cowboyish kind of thing. Yeah, I'm really gonna throw my, I guess, my nerd card down and pull out a deep cut. But like they've been talking about doing a Lobo movie for DC's universe, and he's just like this crazy intergalactic bounty hunter who's just like a biker dude. And it's like kind of, you know, it's got the aesthetic of Ghost Rider, but he's got like a bad attitude about everything so i don't know maybe cage could like do that i could see that i don't know but it's along the same lines and that would be heavy r-rated it would be like you know he'd be out being the bounty hunter he's sort of like a boba fetish type of guy huh i'm down for whatever i mean we have (laughs) we have another potentially one two three four five six Maybe another eight movies coming out this year. So, like, yeah, guys, that's right. I don't think we mentioned on air, but like, we're four months deep, and we've got three new Cage films. And technically, this came out in virtual reality last month. So, like, he had which three I can't movies. imagine how boring that would be. We didn't even talk about that, but like, what is there to see in virtual reality here? This came out in virtual reality. Yeah, yeah in America, that Why? was like its first. That's the way it was distributed originally. I guess huh. some company acquired it, some distribution yeah. company, and they need that content for VR because it's just this fresh new platform that whatever you can put it out on. But I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't have that immersive feel. I mean, you could just kind of go stand out like in, a, in the woods for a half hour and then go stand in a desert for a half hour and something. You pretty much got the experience. <laughs> go sit in a car, mm-hmm. in the backseat of a car. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Cage does do some solid old-timey driving where he's, like, oversteering in what's a very clearly a not-a-moving car. M- yes. Miming sort of going down, like, a bumpy road. I-, I did appreciate that. Every time they were in the car, and I don't know if it's because I was watching it on my laptop, but it just looked like the most CGI. And yep. I was like, why Why when they're in the car? I guess it's because the landscape had to be different, but I don't know. It just looked so weird. Who can say? Like, there's really <laughs> who can say. Yeah, yeah. It seems to come down to like a production value meets sort of like I don't know quite how to do this any other way kind of thing. Where yeah, it's it it could have been done much better practically. It's obvious green screen stuff, but I love that. I guess about it, it's like it's so obvious, and they probably shot all of the car stuff in one you know big chunk or something. Joey, did you catch Cage Nection? He sleeps in a car. Like, that's a very... I feel like we got that in Red Rock West, where he wakes up in a car on he the side of a car. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. in this one, he wakes up in a car. I'll go sleep in the car. You could just, you could just picture him saying that. You have this huge two-story farmhouse with a barn in the back, but I'm going to go sleep in the car. My El Camino. I don't know how much this movie cost, and I can't find it. Made zero dollars at the box office, so did not go, did not go to theaters. Yeah, it wasn't in theaters, right? RogerEbert.com gave it one star and calls it a low-budget science fiction thriller. I think they said it got a very limited release, you know, sort of the way Mom and Dad was playing in, like, one theater an hour from here. I think a friend of mine in L.A. said it was playing there so it, you know not it's not it's not like at your multiplexes or anything like that it's nowhere near near me this time i think my favorite thing about this movie was hugh dylan and that was kind of the reason i wanted to watch it too like other than the fact that it was canadian i think hugh dylan was the thing that attracted me to it and when i keep saying his name do you guys recognize him from anything no i okay. looked up, i looked up everybody in this movie and i don't know anybody from anything i'll tell you this okay. much about him though i feel like that eye patch was very 
very becoming for him. Like I enjoyed that turn for his character. So he wore that well, and I thought he did a really good job in this movie too. So so I know him really well because he's Canadian and he's in some major Canadian movies like Hardcore Logo. But he was also a musician in Canada. So the song that plays over the end credits is his song. Oh, Interesting. He was in the Headstones. Yeah, so it was a Headstones song. He, I'm looking at his IMDb, and he was in the new Twin Peaks. Yeah, and he was in the Expanse, which I watch and love. So that's a cool show. And Wind River, he was in. I think the more I'm looking at, oh him, right, yes, I'm starting to recognize him a little more. The mom was in the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. No and I was like, shit. oh, who is she? And she's like last credited on the letterbox. She's like Bob's girlfriend or oh, something. I was okay. like, oh, I've just never seen yeah. her or anything. It wasn't a speaking role. Like, no. <laughs> I mean, no offense to <laughs> Not this. Not with a name like that, Bob's girlfriend. <laughs> like, I also just didn't really, I mean, I felt like she was shifting in and out of an accent to... Like kind of like the kid, like I feel like she couldn't really maintain if she was trying to pull off an America, a new America accent. Sorry, like this takes place in New America, or yeah. right on the outskirts. I, I kind of felt like her accent slipping from time to time as well. So it's like, well, at least like that. I was like, well, they're not biologically related, but if they were, their accents would sort of, I guess, match. I don't know. That like the kid learns how to talk his garbage language from his mom. <laughs> yeah. I also thought it was kind of weird that they still sang the old Pledge of Allegiance. Like... Oh, so yeah, so that was weird. So like when the kid's doing the Pledge of Allegiance and then like he Cage enters the auditorium and the kid pauses because he's like, oh, I see Cage is here. I was expecting him to come back and like, instead of saying like under God or whatever, like some kind of like really crazy modernized twist on it. But no, it just straight up <laughs> the classic Pledge of Allegiance. And that seems like it should be illegal at this point to recite that, right? Like it should be the new uh, Pledge of Allegiance of some kind. I mean, if they were being moved to that Eden or whatever it was called, New Eden, if yeah. they were being moved there, like I feel like was this a completely illegal community that they were in? So maybe that's why it was like everybody was so proud he was saying the Pledge of Allegiance because it was like we're the rebel, I don't know, community. Wait, Lindsay, do you know the Pledge of Allegiance? Uh, I mean, I know of it. <laughs> I mean, she do has no it? reason like, to need to know I it. I know it, that, but... Yeah. I've heard it in movies and stuff, so... Like this movie? Yeah, like this movie. Oh, are you asking me if I could recite it? Uh, try it. Go ahead. Oh, God. <laughs> That's terrible. Okay, what is it? Like, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and yep. something about the Republic. And to for the... Which it's, to the Republic for which it stands. Yep. Is that when Indivisible comes nope, in? One. Or am I jumping ahead? One, one nation. Ahead. One yep. nation. Indivisible, yeah. Un, un, <laughs> un, what? Under, what? It's, the, con it's a controversial clause in the in the Pledge of Allegiance. It's the what? Oh, it's the oh, is it under God? Yeah. Yep. One okay. nation under God, and then uh, indivisible. Yep. <laughs> okay, but then I don't remember. Some it's with, something with with just. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Say it. Liberty? Yeah. Liberty and justice for all. There we go. So, you know. You did pretty well. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I still think they should have came up with a new one for this movie. Like, I pledge allegiance to the Humanity Bureau and the ovens at New Eden. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> something dark <laughs> and evil. And then these little kids are singing it. And you're like, oh, I'm feeling the, I'm feeling it. But... Nope. nope. I was feeling Cage there, though, like, watching. I was like, this is so weird before you find out he's the dad. Like, 
why are you helping these people? What is going on? Like, it's not like you're the type of person who would be like, I have to save the next two people I meet. Like, you're (laughs) living this life of luxury as a Humanity Bureau agent. One of, like, four, maybe, in the whole country. I don't know. It's very hard to tell how many And he's also on the verge of a a promotion, too. Like, he's not only an agent. He's, like, a good at his job agent. And he just killed the last person that he's trying to take in. So, yeah. Yeah, he saved them room at New Eden. It's like, way to shoot that guy right in the head. So there was no chance Mm -hmm. that he could survive. Ridiculous. Doing my job. That must have been the Humanity Bureau's way of shooting people because everybody who was killed by a Humanity Bureau person in this was like shot right in the middle of the forehead. True. Oh, that's very true. And they couldn't really fight for shit either. Like, (laughs) they have that one kitchen fight that lasts like a minute because they're just like so winded. (laughs) Oh, where the, where not Rachel like picks up the submachine gun and like, because she's a girl and can't hold a gun, like sprays the entire ceiling with all the bullets. Do you remember that? That was so weird. Like, also her son was in the room. Like, why would you just pick up a gun and shoot it randomly everywhere? This movie is so pro-gun, it's not even funny. Like, the kid comes up and is like, hey, can I your gun and Cage like hands it over. Like, Give it to him. Here yeah. you go. It's a Glock. Get used to it, kid. And then later, the kids with like the Mad Max kids, yeah. and, and he's like, you know, it's not a Glock, but he's like holding a fucking like machine gun, and he's like, this is my Glock, whatever. Like it loads it, and the kids like, Have you ever killed anyone? And he's like, no, but I will if I have to. It's like holy shit. I don't know guns at all, but I thought he came in the room and like said what kind of gun it was. Like he he listed something that was like a complicated name and I was like whoa why would he know everything about this gun but maybe he got it wrong I don't know oh boy I don't yeah. know Lindsay do you have any other notes about the Humanity Bureau before we uh, wrap up and we can sort wrap of talk about your up. new podcast a little bit no I think I named off everything that I wanted to say there is uh, apparently you know Cage is trying to fish he's like just like th- flinging that fishing line around in Hugh Dillon's office and like sticks it into a Monet and yeah. they're like oh like look look how little societal value has anymore because like we're just able to trash these like classic art mm, yeah super cool movie okay <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was really strange like you don't just I don't know this was really weird but at one point the kid's like complaining how bad he has to go to the bathroom and I'm like why don't they just let the kid like take a leak outside the car behind a tree or something yeah but it turns out he's got to drop a deuce like the kid yeah. goes into like the oh, grungiest yeah. bathroom on earth and just like sits down super cash just like dropping a deuce time no problem like didn't, didn't is, he have a magazine too yeah, when he was in there he, it was probably a gun magazine if I'm not mistaken oh god I guess that's when the guy comes in and like gets him but I just yeah. thought that was bizarre and they were like where is he and she's like well you know he gets like I'm not gonna like wipe his she doesn't say this but she's basically like I'm not gonna wipe his ass for him you know like he's going to right. the bathroom yeah. he could take care of himself but uh, Cage is worried because it's his son so he's like yeah oh, gotta find him mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a super fast chase like out of that little complex or whatever they were the industrial zone but like yeah i just like how everything exciting happens in like two second bursts and then it's over yeah it's a little weird in that way it's like hey we need to have an action scene here but we can't afford it so like how do we condense what should be like a four minute scene into like 30 seconds well like it just you know they get away yeah this movie is bizarre contradiction and like super doesn't follow like any logic whatsoever like one other thing last thing i guess because there's just so many things 
Like, I'm just going to go rewatch this movie soon. But one thing is just like, you know, he drives an El Camino and it's like, okay, cool, because he's the cool bureau guy at the bureau. But like, you like everyone's driving cars that are old. So you're like, okay going on here like a lack of resource but then there's stuff like the hologram phone where like clearly new things are being made why aren't they making new cars and weapons for the humanity bureau if it's so important so i i just loved how the movie couldn't get itself straight like that at times and well i feel like that's probably a budgetary like like let's have a cool car like we don't have to make like a concept car or something you know what i mean like we can yeah. just have like a oh it's cool and like look at the back there's like a we have like some ones and zeros and like this you know yeah. serial number or whatever but it's like the weird shorthand, though. Like, on the one hand, they want to say it's futuristic, look at, like, the tech. And then on the other hand, they're like, it's futuristic because it's retro. Like, it's retro grade. Sure. So it's like, wants both, but, like, can't execute either properly. Oh, I totally, I absolutely get it. And, Mike, whatever you say, we are not watching this movie on Saturday when we record uh, some Cage Clubs Revisited. We are not coming, <laughs> no, we are no, not no. revisiting this it's one too soon. that soon. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, so, as we tease at the top of the podcast, Lindsay has her own podcast now coming out every other Wednesday. So the next one, this will come out, in, you know, sometime this week. So the next one will be next week. It's a Winona Ryder podcast, Winona Forever. She and her friend, Rekka. Rekka Tulsarin, right? Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? So what's the next movie that you guys are doing? Uh, the next one is Heather's. Oh, oh, wow. I know, getting into the big time. The fact that Beetlejuice was three and Heather's was five was like, it's crazy. I know. Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of uh, big ones coming up, I think. But yeah, there's super huge ones right off the top. Well, that's cool. You will be back on later this year, hopefully for this year, for Teen Titans Go to the Movies, where Nicolas Cage finally Wee. gets to be Superman, so that's exciting. And then you and Rekka will both be on our other show that's sort of in hibernation, Keanu Club, when Windona comes back into the world of Keanu for Destination Wedding. We finished Keanu That's Club. That's exciting. When did we finish Keanu Club, Mike? September, October-ish? It's and like, been a while, yeah. No movies have come out. Nothing has come it's out. What weird. is he doing? What is up? And he was supposed to have that one movie where he built his family as robots because there's something... Replicant. Uh, replicant. Replicas. Replicants? Replicas. Replicas. It was at Comic-Con last year, and it's still not out. It's weird. I just hope it doesn't stay on the shelf as long as this movie did, because we were denied this for far too long, folks. <laughs> Which is totally... <laughs> fine. You do not have to go see this movie. <laughs> see, Joey, well, you're, you're handling it much better, like, when you don't like a movie than I unfortunately exploded and then, you know, taking my apology tour across... Oh, the Waking Up in Reno apology tour crosses over to Cage Club. Crosses over this. to Cage Club. If you're listening to this, yeah, I just have to say once again, my behavior on that episode was out of <laughs> bounds. That doesn't uh, represent me. <laughs> that just is a fluke, I feel. Uh, everyone could have a bad day. Mine was captured on tape. <laughs> well, was... I really realized while watching this that like this is exactly made for you because this is it's like sort of like the because i know you love pretty much all things sci-fi you're okay with like low budget you're okay you love dystopian stuff i mean the bad batch i was like this is like the bad batch like cheap that doesn't look good and also doesn't have an interesting story like it's just like what if you get deported in that world but not quite yeah like cage takes you to the border and drops you off with the bad batches that there is a movie Yep. Yeah, no, you're right. It, You know, this one just pushed my buttons much more. And yeah, but no, waking up in Reno, I was unfair. Totally deserves um, <laughs> a second look. So check out that movie. This Saturday on Cage Club Revisited, we are going back to Reno for waking up in Reno. Just kidding. We're not gonna do that. <laughs> but thank you so much, Lindsay, for being on. Check out her podcast every other Wednesday. 
Winona forever and come back later this year when Lindsay's on with Teen Titans Go to the Movies. And also, if you want to plug your book, you can buy it on Amazon and ECW Press, right? Yes, you can. There you go. National buy it. It's adorable treasure. and great. <laughs> I always call it adorable, and I don't want that to sound condescending. I just, I love it's the style small. of those books. Like, the little books, like, they're just so cool. Yeah, it's a little book. It's a little book, That's but it's fair. filled with heart. And information. And information. So for all things Cage Club, including Lindsay's past episodes, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. You can find all 17 of our podcasts now. You know, like we said, you know, Cage Club and Keanu Club are both in hibernation, but Mike and I on a weekly basis are going through Charlie Theron's movies for Watch the Throne. We are also each doing our own projects. Mike has his Third Time's a Charm once a month, every month on the third. And then I've got a whole track of, like, you know, hunky beefcake movies with me and Joe, too, for Channing Tatum and Ryan Gosling in the Fast and Furious movies. So no matter what you like, Go to cageclub.me, find the show that works for you. We've got a few more launching this summer. As some things end, others begin. So keep coming back. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Say hello. Email us, mailbag at cageclub.me. We will read it on air next time we do an episode. Maybe Mandy, maybe not Mandy. I don't know what the next one's going to be. Let's play a game. What movie do you think is going to be the next Cage Club movie we do? Hmm. I need to get into his... So here's the, here are the uh-huh. options. So there's, so there's number... I don't know what any of them are, really. Yeah. But there's number 211, Mandy, Red Squad, Between Worlds, Xander, Primal, A Score to Settle, and Teen Titans go to the movies. So I'm going to take Mandy. I think that's in theaters maybe in May. So I'm guessing we can maybe do an episode like in August. But there's still a lot of time between now and August for another thing to come out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say something we haven't even heard of yet. Whoa, okay. <laughs> maybe like a secret cage film or something that just hasn't been this going to fall between the cracks or something. I don't know. I think we get it. We might get a surprise. Cool. I can, I'm into that. Did you guys do Looking Glass? We did oh, Looking yeah. Glass, yes. Uh, okay. We both loved it. Peeping Cage. <laughs> Interesting. Well, not like loved it, loved it, but like we're entertained by it a lot. Like it was the kind of entertainment that like I was sort of hoping for here and just didn't really get here. That's fair. And it's not yeah. here, Joey. Like I'm going to, you know, I'll say that <laughs> yeah. again. Like it's not really here at all. Like you have to be of a certain <laughs> mindset here. <laughs> well, I really hope the next movie is Mandy because I'm dying to see it. Me so too. I want it to come out. So no matter what the next movie is, you can find it at cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, and at cageclubpod on Twitter. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Lindsay Gibb, and we'll see you next time on Cage Club.